Welcome to another edition of the brand called You. We are continuing our series on China with Mr. Pradeep Bajal, who, as I mentioned earlier, was the former chairman of the Telecom Regulatory Authority of India. He's also an author of three books, first on disinvestment, second on telecom reforms in India, and the third, which is relevant to our talk today, which is containing the China onslaught. In our first episode, we spoke about the background and the growth of China. Uh, in this episode, we'll talk a little bit about what is happening in China today. So, sir, with continuing from our last episode, we were speaking of Deng, and you have mentioned in your book that Deng believed in growth with folded hands. And from what I read about the President Xi Jinping now, he believes in growth with his checkbook, with his checkbook diplomacy. So tell me a little bit about the approach of Deng Xiaoping and the approach of the current president. See, <clears throat> if you look at Deng, Deng got into the president's villa through the prison. And therefore, he was a very humble man. And Correct. China was also very poor. China was uh, uh, poorer than India. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he was always with folded hands. Correct. And that was also his promise that his facade was another and his real approach was different. Correct. Now, <clears throat> uh, he came in with folded hands, but he took his policy decision very firmly right. and made the other person believe that uh, he was a very humble person. Hmm. Now, there are two kinds of philosophies in China. One is the Confucius philosophy and the other one which are represented in 36 strategies. Mm -hmm. Now, Confucius was a, uh, was a philosopher who was a very kind man, he was a good man, and he preached everything which, which was good. In these 36 stratagems, you have a number of strategies where mostly you make a fool of the other person mm -hmm. and, and, and you go forward. Correct. So, Deng started with 36 stratagems. Mm -hmm. When he when he put uh, institutions in the U.S., mm -hmm. they were all Confucius institutions, very pious man, very pious policies. Mm -hmm. So that was Deng's policy. When it came to Xi, mm -hmm. now Xi came in when the when China had al uh, already become rich, mm -hmm. and uh, Xi uh, had climbed up in the party, mm -hmm. and he had become very senior. And even Mao had said uh, once about Xi mm -hmm. that uh, when he comes in. He will uh, make China great again. Mm -hmm. So that was the difference. I see. That's interesting. So you mean uh, Mao spoke about Xi Jinping also, is it? Yes, yes. Oh, he was okay. in the party then. He read uh, at a number of places that Mao used to be full of praises mm -hmm. for Xi. But mm -hmm. his background was different. Xi's father was a very senior leader. Mm -hmm. And this senior leader was punished by Politburo, was mm -hmm. punished by Mao. Hmm. But yet, uh, when it came to the son, uh, Xi's turn, hmm. it was recognized by everyone that he was a very strong man and uh, he had ideas of his own. So, so, you also mentioned that, you know, in the US, in Washington, the Chinese ambassador made a statement that they would shortly take over the world. Now, for an ambassador to make such, an, such a statement is, is not very ambassador-like. But does this come out of the old Chinese philosophy of expansionism? You see, you must understand that in China, no one has powers. Okay. 
all the powers are with the Politburo. So whatever comes out of the mouth of Mao or out of the mouth of Deng or out of the mouth of Xi, actually it's Politburo which is saying that that is the most powerful body. Now, if you uh, read a bit of history, China has not been a country, it has been, it has been a state, it has been much bigger than pure country only. Mm. So, and China has always been very expansionist. Mm. Now, if you see, there was a famous uh, dynasty, Qing uh, dynasty, that mm. was somewhere in 500 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they acquired a number of, uh, they acquired a lot of area mm. around China because the borders were not very clear. Then you come to Mao, he also acquired uh, a number of countries, Tibet and, and so many other countries. Mm. Then you come now uh, to see all these exercises of redefining the LSC, the redefining the LOC, uh, going to South China Sea, uh, going and acquiring uh, a lot of Pakistan. Now, all that came in the time uh, of Z. Mm -hmm. So what happened in China is that a person is revered. If he is an expansionist, Correct. because the culture of China is expansionist, mm -hmm. then they are not yet a democracy. So they don't understand uh, the compulsions of a democracy. Correct. So therefore, uh, since they are expansionists, therefore uh, the Chinese ambassador also says, hey, "I'm very powerful, and they are very powerful today because they have a lot of money." Correct. So before I come to the LSE and Doklam. You mentioned also that uh, Xi Jinping had an unhappy childhood. Well, uh, that I think I mentioned hmm. that his father was punished. His father was a very senior leader hmm. and his father had, had fallen out hmm. with the Politburo and therefore he was punished. Hmm. And as a child, therefore, uh, Xi had an unhappy childhood. Hmm. And uh, on a more macro level, what is your opinion of China's thinking of India? Oh. China thinks of India as a nuisance okay. and an unnecessary nuisance. Mm -hmm. they, they recognize that India is a weak, weak state, so far it was, mm -hmm. and they will do nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they must acquire parts of mm -hmm. which gives them a strategic advantage. Mm -hmm. Look, they never had a road and they could never have a road to the, the Arabian Sea. And the road could only go through India. Correct. And therefore, <coughs> they constructed that road in parts occupied Kashmir. Yeah. And India started protesting mildly. It is only now that we are protesting loudly because mm. once China is open to the uh, Arabian Sea, then they have a lot of strategic advantage. Mm. So again, uh, a nuisance India in between. So they have used uh, Pakistan, even in Pakistan. <laughs> There are protests about that road. Then I remember some oil wells hmm. were being sold in uh, Myanmar. Hmm. India was also a bidder, but then they got the oil well hmm. and they constructed a road from the oil well to China through Myanmar. Hmm. And the same road they are now using uh, to get to the uh, Bay of Bengal. Correct. So they are a large country and they want to expand. Hmm. And China for good and sorry, and India for good or bad hmm. uh, is next door and covers a lot of vital areas. Hmm. And that's why they think India should either be purchased or should be subjugated. Hmm. 
and they can never be friendly with india mm-hmm. therefore and uh, one is the doklam pre ladakh kind of an opinion china has but in your opinion has the view of china started to change about india no the view of china has not changed at all mm-hmm. india has forced itself okay. into a much better position okay india has started asserting itself for the first time uh, during the present government india has started asserting itself you you, you recall that what happened in the 1962 war right it was stronger than uh, china at that time mm. but you know what happened in the 1962 yeah. war incident uh, united states has also declassified the 1962 war files i see and i had looked at some of the files of that time very recently and for any serious reader you can go and open the 1962 war there are three files of the american government mm-hmm. so we didn't have a disadvantage well, but we were beaten up mm-hmm. and china never expected that they'll have a walkover they had a walkover that's very interesting i'm glad you told me because i would love to read those 62 files because my father served uh, in uh, tawang area in 1962 he was yes, there in the we made fool of ourselves in the politics of the army in the political government and a fool of itself in the politics of the army absolutely so sir continuing with china's expansionism let's talk about you know some of the countries one by one uh, and what i was fascinated about was very recently where china actually made a claim to vladivostok which is russia and uh, my reaction was how can two countries ex- very similar kind of thinking actually have one way where one where one turned on say that one part of your country vladivostok which is the eastern part of russia belongs to china and of course then there were problems with japan and philippines and everything else but i'll come to that but i'd love to get some of your perspective on how deep can expansionism go where you take on everybody yes i made a statement that uh, china is an expansionist country number one i also made a statement it is in their genes correct they want to grow and they are basically a, a communist government they are uh, mm-hmm. absolute government and therefore they want to go and a, a person who is an expansionist is revered in china correct so that's why they want to go to and and that is why also i said mm-hmm. that china can never be friends with india because you are right next to each other and you are a you are a target of my expansions correct same thing applies to russia mm. and that is why and that is why russia has never been friendly with china even though the senior marxist country mm. russia at one time used to be the hero of china but there have been earlier wars also against between china and russia and vladivostok is a part of the same uh, philosophy interesting uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the alliances that are now beginning to form you know one uh, which is talked about a lot now is the quad which is america japan india and australia and all other countries seem to be joining with the primary objective of being able to control the pacific ocean you see <coughs> it is like this china feels that number one china feels that it is bought bought a number of leaders in the world correct 
and those leaders uh, will talk in favor of China. Mm. Again, the, the, the checkbook diplomacy. Yeah, yeah. In India also, they have bought a number of leaders. And again, it's a checkbook uh, diplomacy. Mm. China has also realized that now, with their acquiring so much of uh, uh, power mm. and money, mm. everyone uh, wants, wants to be a part of Chinese dream of national rejuvenation. Mm. I myself, when I studied uh, China in so many countries mm. which were impacted by China, I found that during the two terms when I was interested in China much earlier and now, mm. I found that a number of uh, American authors, mm -hmm. a number of Indian authors, a number of uh, European authors, now write openly mm. in favor of China. True. And China itself has said that we have bought out a number of uh, leaders. Mm. So they think that when the world is not very stable, mm. there are any number of disputes around the world and mm. between nation states, mm. it is an ideal time to go forward. Correct. And, and pursue their, their old philosophy. At the 19th Communist Party National Congress mm -hmm. on October 18, 2017, mm -hmm. Xi Jinping delivered a major speech mm -hmm. in which he declared, and let me read it because only then you will understand. The Chinese nation has stood up, grown rich, and is becoming strong mm -hmm. to realize the Chinese dream of national rejuvenation. Okay. And then he says that success of so many dynasties is judged by the expansion of territory throughout history. And then Mao, as I said, had captured Tibet, Aksai Chin, etc. Mm. So, therefore, Zhi thinks that with a divided world all over, mm. he can buy a number of countries through their leaders. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what is he doing? Take over of Hong Kong, playing around with the maps of Japan, mm. Nepal, Pakistan, mm. Bhutan, mm. India, etc. And Xi has also realized that there is a lot of noise in the world about what China is doing. But yet, in 2018, the, the, the American multinational firm's investment mm. in China was $12.9 billion. In 2019, it became $14.1 billion. So they feel that it is their compulsion that they're investing in China and not vice versa. There was a survey, yes. There was a survey of uh, by American Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. in March 2020, where they said, the survey said that the 80% of American companies are not considering relocating their manufacturing out of China. Mm. Here are newspapers and oh, everyone is walking out of uh, China. Mm. But the surveys which I am quoting, mm. they have they, they are different. Mm. And therefore, I, I had said right in the beginning that when I started writing the book, mm. I didn't understand. But mm. as I write the book, so as I study more, as I write articles, as I come before you, I find that the world is changing very fast. Not against China. Hmm. It's a divided world which is trying to stand up against a totally unified uh, China. Hmm. And who unifies China? The Politburo. And who unifies China? The Congress Party. Hmm. 
and even their army is Congress Party, and right. that is what is written in the literature. Mm. So it's a very dangerous period for the world that unless the, the democracies unite, they will not be able to stand up to a dictatorial uh, China. I, I, I read uh, recently that one, one uh, journalist mm -hmm. did a program on China which he criticized China severely and he was warned by the embassy of China. Now, which really means that China has realized that it's a divided world and they can go forward. If you listen to the Democrat uh, presidential nominee, Mm -hmm. And if you listen to the China, Chinese broadcast too, mm -hmm. they said that Biden will be an ideal president. Mm -hmm. And uh, Biden, uh, Biden uh, believes mm -hmm. in worldwide cooperation. Mm -hmm. Now, I, you can cooperate with the country when it uh, is cooperating with you. Mm -hmm. But in China, that doesn't seem to be happening. In China, seems to be believing that they have so much of power that they will bring around all other countries to their point of view. Hmm. What is Pakistan's role in the grand scheme of things for China other than, of course, the China-Pakistan economic corridor? And they apparently have spent some $65 billion, which is a debt yes. that Pakistan has to pay. Yes, I'm very surprised hmm. that there are, there, there are protests against this project, even in Pakistan. Hmm. But basically, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Pakistani strategy. Hmm. I think Pakistan has become captive to China and no. it is the Chinese strategy which Pakistan has to follow. Hmm. Very interesting. And what about, uh, you know, your views on, let's talk of some of the other countries like say Japan or the Spratly Islands in the Philippines or Vietnam. I mean, you know, all of them are now beginning to get edgy. I was also reading uh, recently, three, four days ago, the Sri Lankan president has said, that they will be much more closely aligned to India, even though China will remain a friend, when the same president had almost abandoned relationships with India. Same thing is beginning to happen in Africa. What is beginning to change, sir? Yes, I told you that I was most bugged by Bush's letter. I didn't understand why that letter was. Yes. I'm most bugged by Chinese behavior, by the behaving like this. Right. And I've tried to give uh, some uh, explanations uh, from the literature that I have read about China. Mm -hmm. Now, here, because China has, is becoming very powerful and because it's a totalitarian country and it believes in growth and power and expansion, mm -hmm. therefore the democracies of the world must get together to neutralize China and they are getting together. You have this uh, D10, uh, G7 converting to D10, mm -hmm. etc. And uh, standing up uh, in one forum against China, that China also pursues uh, democratic ways to sort out problems Correct. and not uh, military ways. Mm. One last question before I end this episode, and that is going to be on, uh, you know, you made a comment that a lot of leaders are, have been purchased by China and a lot of journalists have been purchased by China. I'd like you to just Talk a little bit more about what your thoughts in this are. I mean, you know, these leaders have to live within their own countries as well. You see, I can give you a one-hour lecture <laughs> okay. on why we should be cooperative with China. Right. I can give you a one-hour lecture. Yes. 
and i'll give you a better lecture if i'm paid for it hmm. that's all. because in most of the countries different uh, kinds of different uh, kinds of groups behave differently individuals behave differently and so some you see in india there are so many there are so many journalists hmm. who are writing in favor of china that china is a neighbor china is trying to cooperate we have a great advantage by being a part of the road uh, project to china hmm. india will open up etc hmm. and that we should cooperate there are all kinds of opinion and the the the, the, the power of a democracy is right. that all opinions get expressed right. all opinions get debated right. and at the end of it you get a final uh, verdict that hmm. is in a in a in a country like china hmm. the the thought starts with the leader hmm. goes down to the entire uh, mass of people the entire group of people and then the idea comes back to the leader hmm. so it's a defective system hmm. where the real views of the vast population are never heard hmm. but it may change it, uh, marxism may change also but today that doesn't seem to be so and uh, based on again all the all your readings and all the people you speak to do you see you know it's often said that when when a when a citizen has, has wealth has a full stomach they want to think and they want to express themselves china has reached a lot has achieved a lot of prosperity but yet i don't see that thinking and uh, you know are asking for more freedom coming in china what why do you think that is happening it that's happening precisely because the the the, the process of reaching decisions in china because uh, it's a communist country it, it's uh, an outdated uh, process after all you are aware and i am aware that uh, a very powerful uh, uh, way powerful politics of communism mm. is going uh, away all over the world mm. and particularly in this period where uh, the the means of communication have become very strong the defective argument gets eliminated faster mm. and therefore there, there is only one uh, or two uh, communist countries in the world mm. true so a last question to you I, and i must and i must add there professor in harvard tarun khanna who keeps writing about the strength of india mm. and who keeps saying that india will ultimately grow more powerful than china i used to feel uh, i i used to feel uh, that this is not possible mm. because china has a machinery which is much stronger but after long time after reading uh, all this i have uh, started feeling that this may be possible if the democracies of the world unite correct so again it appears difficult correct correct there another another person who i follow a lot is gordon chang in the us who is so anti china and he's chinese and he's constantly complaining about you know what is happening and is uh, continuously saying that xi jinping's days are numbered but my last question to you for this episode sir is that what in your opinion are the ambitions of president xi jinping to become no, the, 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 he uh, is a chinese leader hmm. and the chinese nation believes in power hmm. the chinese nation believes in more territory hmm. 
the Chinese nation believes that we have a right to all the places which are vaguely ours, and they are not prepared to go by international uh, multilateral organizations. After all, all these multilateral organizations were created after this First World War and the Second World War. Correct. Correct. So that, so that there could be reconciliation and arbitration between nations. Mm. But those seem to have gone weaker with the WTO, with the WHO, mm. uh, with so many organizations within the United Nations getting weaker by China not following their dictum. And yet being very powerful members of each of these organizations. Yes, yes. So these are interesting things. Right. And I'm sure they will be better determined by a more democratic world than what it was in the past. So, Mr. Bajal, thank you very much. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you again. And uh, we have spoken in our first episode on the background of the growth of China. In this episode, we've spoken about the behavior of China and what leads the Chinese people to react the way they do. And in a third episode, we will talk about what are Mr. Bejil's ideas to tame China and between India and China and America, who will win. So thank you very much. Come back to us again soon and we'll talk again. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.